things I'd like to do in the way of uh, refresher, get us caught up if you haven't been with us before. We're teaching on the Holy Ghost. Why? It's a Pentecostal church. We need to know what the Holy Ghost is all about. Amen? And so I gave you a series of uh, questions. You're going to be tested later in the score count. All right? Does everybody have a copy of the questions for part two of the uh, teaching on word of knowledge? Does everybody have one? If not, Jack, where do we put those, you know? Anybody need one, raise your hand. They're, they're over there next to the offering plate, a bucket, right? So get busy over by the offering box and <laughs> a little humor there. Um, you need to get one of those. And we've got a few of the questions already answered. So in the way of a refresher, see what you remember. The first question was, to whom was the epistle of 1 Corinthians written? Who knows? The entire church, right? I, I read one Bible scholar that believed it was a letter written to just one person. I don't know how in the world they came up with that. You just read the letter, you know it's written to the entire church. And the second question was, why was Paul telling the entire church to covet or desire spiritual gifts? And the answer that we gave in the message is because as an entire body of believers, as an entire body of believers covets them, the Holy Spirit will divide the gifts of the Spirit to every man severally as he wills. And that was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And then number three, what does the Holy Spirit operate in line with? The gifts of the Holy Spirit operate as the Holy Spirit wills, not as we will. The Holy Spirit always operates in line with what? The Word of God. You're never going to hear the Holy Spirit say something that can't be backed up by the Word. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that. Do you know that the power of the Holy Spirit is what God used to, um, to uh, what's the word, inspire the writers of the Bible? So you can't separate the gifts of the Spirit of God from the Word of God. Does that make sense? And so uh, I've heard people say some pretty strange things before that I could easily say that's not God because the Word of God doesn't back it up, you know. And I will tell you, that's the problem. It's why many pastors don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit and His gifts because too many people try to branch out in areas of it. They don't know what they're talking about. But they want to be like that rich guy who said when he started seeing the apostles lay hands on people and they were getting healed and filled with the Holy Ghost and all those things, they said, how much, how much do you want? I'll buy that. He wanted to buy that power. And, of course, the apostles rebuked him, you know. Um, and, and, and even said what spirit was behind that. But I can tell you what, spirit or not, flesh is a dangerous thing. And there's something about human nature that loves to see the supernatural and overreacts to it and tries to get people to say, look at me, look how spiritual I am. And once again, the gifts of the Spirit of God use you, you don't use them. You don't, all right? And I remember early on when I would tell Ruthie things that the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I recognized very quickly that I couldn't make it happen when I wanted to make it happen. It can only happen when the Holy Spirit wants it to happen. Amen? And we can't, uh, we can't lie about things like that because it will endanger us. Amen? And then number four was, how will the word of knowledge sometimes be manifest? The word of knowledge will sometimes manifest through a vision or through a dream, or through a message from an angel, or through the gift of prophecy even. A word of knowledge can also be manifested through interpretation of tongues. All of those things can happen, all right? 
Matter of fact, once again, let me reiterate to you that I, as a teacher, separate out the gifts of the Spirit a bit and give them definition so you recognize them, so you understand them. However, I'll be the first to tell you that the Holy Spirit and His gifts, they overlap. They overlap. Uh, several of them can be manifest at any given time, all right? And the Holy Spirit, you want to just put yourself in a position for the Holy Spirit to use you and let Him say whatever He wants to say. Whether you recognize the difference between, say, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom is really immaterial, as long as you know God's speaking, all right? But isn't it helpful to know some definitions, amen? That's what I say. Uh, we said, list two uh, Old Testament examples of how the gift of the word of knowledge was manifested. Before I say that, answer again. I have learned more about the gifts of the Spirit of God or as much about the gifts of the Spirit of God as they were manifested in the Old Testament than I have from the New Testament. Why? Once again, what do we say? In the Old Testament, the New Testament is contained. In the New Testament, the Old Testament is explained. So it shouldn't be surprising to you that the gifts of the Spirit showed up in the Old Testament first because they lived first. Amen? And what is the only gift of the Spirit that doesn't show up in the Old Testament? There's a test question for you. Which one? Tongues. You can't find tongues in the Old Testament. But you can find examples of every one of the gifts of the Spirit in the Old Testament except tongues. You know, I've had people get angry with me about that. That's not true. The gifts of the Spirit of God didn't manifest in the Old Testament. Well, yes, they did. And, and so, for example... Uh, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. You know, flip it open there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. For the sake of time, we're going to, we're going to rehearse stories that we're very familiar with. All right? And, and quit thinking that these people uh, had these things happen in the life that it was a special thing in the Old Testament because it was a prophet. So No, it was just the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has always been. Amen? Doesn't that make sense? In, there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 18. So we see the word of knowledge was manifested to enlighten and encourage uh, all kinds of people, right? But Elijah had a great time on the mountaintop when he prayed the fire down from heaven in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37 and 38. Now he went from that, where he prayed fire down from heaven, and it consumed up the, the altar and all that, and then he had all of these prophets of Baal killed. Do you remember the story? Am I, am I talking about something strange and foreign to you? I'm not, am I? Elijah was, wow, this great and mighty and powerful man, right? But when someone told him that Queen Jezebel, one woman, mind you, Queen Jezebel said that about this time tomorrow, she's going to take your head off your shoulders. In 1 Kings 19 and 2, Elijah ran for his life. That kind of, kind of weirds me out. You know, call down fire from heaven. It sucks all the water up, burns the altar, burns the offering. God accepts it all. And then he points at, in that heated moment where the Spirit of God, um, the power of God's been manifest, he tells all, the, all of the um, uh, priests with him, take up a sword, chase down those men of Baal, those prophets of Baal, and kill every one of them. And they did it. Well, that's kind of bold, right? But he feared Jezebel. He feared her, right? Later he said to God in 1 Kings 19, verse 14, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
thrown down the altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, listen to this, everybody falls into pity sometimes. They fall into, woe is me, I'm the only one that loves you, Lord. <laughs> right? He said, uh, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. First, First Kings 19.14. So in other words, Elijah was saying, everyone is backslidden but me. Everyone has bowed their knee to Baal, and I'm the only one left. But God gave Elijah a word of knowledge that encouraged and enlightened him. God said, no, you aren't the only one left. I have 7,000 people reserved to myself that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now, I don't know where you come from, but where I come from, if you have a church of 7,000, that, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You're doing all right, aren't you? You know, um, I like that. Elijah couldn't have known what he found out hiding from Jezebel any other way if a word of knowledge had not been revealed to him. You say, well, are you sure that was a word of knowledge? I mean, well, it was a, a piece of knowledge of God given to him about something that was actual, factual, it was happening, it was going on, but he didn't know it. Notice it didn't say anything about the future. It stated a fact that something that was happening right now. No, you're wrong, Elijah. I've reserved 7,000 unto myself that have not bowed the knee to Baal, right? Well, I think that's exciting. Now, Elijah couldn't have known that any other way. He, he couldn't have known unless the Holy Ghost told him, unless God told him. Amen? I'm sure it encouraged him to know that he wasn't the only one left, that God had 7,000 who hadn't bowed their knees to Baal. Uh, Word of knowledge, again, to Elijah. Uh, comes in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. So Gehazi, Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men, of the sons of the prophets, give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Amos said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him, and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bear them before him. So in other words, he ended up giving him twice as much as he asked for, because he was grateful for what the prophet had done for him, right? But Gehazi had lied. The prophet had never sent him. Verse 24, and when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. And he let the men go, and they departed. Naaman was so thrilled to be healed that he gave him twice the amount of money Gehazi asked for. And Gehazi hid it because he was a thief as well as a hypocrite and a liar. When Elijah asked Gehazi where he had been, he said, thy servant went nowhere. I, went, I didn't go anywhere. And then in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 25, powerful. Elisha said, Went not mine heart or spirit with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet you. The prophet wasn't there. He was nowhere near him. But in the spirit he was. Amen. How could Elisha be sitting in his own house and yet know what was going on several miles away. God revealed it to him through a word of knowledge. God gave Elisha a supernatural revelation of what had happened, 
and it exposed Gehazi as a hypocrite. Another, Elisha. Also in the Old Testament, a word of knowledge was given to warn a king of the enemy's plan in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 and 12, 8 through 12. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall uh, be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me? Which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you say in your bedroom. Powerful. Every time an enemy would set up an ambushment against Israel, the prophet of God would tell Israel their plans. Finally, this king got his servant together and said, we must have a traitor among us. Who is giving us away? And the servants replied, no, it is not us. A prophet of God in Israel tells the king of Israel what you speak in your bedchamber. That was a supernatural revelation that God gave the prophet Elisha to warn him of the enemy's plan to harm Israel. Amen? So there's several examples in the Old Testament of how word of knowledge works. Stop treating those incidents in the Old Testament like they were isolated and don't have anything to do with you. The powerful thing about it is that in the New Testament, as the Holy Spirit fell, I mean, the Holy Spirit was given in this world on the day of Pentecost. He literally took the place of the physical presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so now, not... We no longer had Jesus relegated to one body, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit that will fill everyone. Amen? And make Jesus go everywhere. And use you the same way. Stop saying that, well, I'm not special. I'm not a prophet. I'm not this. I'm not that. Stop saying it. Listen to me. Especially if you're a humble servant of God, that's not going to make a big deal out of the fact that God used you, then He's looking for you. The Holy Spirit is out there, you know, looking for you. People that it's not going to ruin their lives, you know, for Him to use you. I'm telling you, I've told you the story, I'm just going to say this part again, I'm reminding you. God did not let me touch that woman on the arm and pray for her because He knew it would mess me up. I was in my 20s. And, and look, let's just say we were in front of the church and I laid hands on her and I prayed for her and that same bolt of lightning that I told you about hit in a crowded room. Everybody would think that I walked on water. And, and you know why I prayed this morning? I talked about uh, pastors being crowned by their people. It happens. I, I, look, you, you know me well enough. We're, we're such a tight-knit family. I'm not that special. Amen? I'm just another child of God that has a call in his life and I preach and teach the gospel. And I love it that way. And it doesn't matter to me what God uses me to do. I know now at 64 years old who it is. And I know why God didn't let me lay my hand on that woman's arm that night in that, in that parking lot where she had fallen and crippled from the neck down. And I, I was there. I know what happened. And people don't have to believe me. If you don't want to believe me, don't believe me. 
But that bolt of power from God hit us both, knocked me down on my backside, and yanked her up off the ground. And her feet hit the ground, and she went to dancing. And you know, I remind you, I was stupid enough to say, now God, why couldn't you do that in front of a packed out house? Oh, he told me why. It's humbling to hear from God because you can't handle that. I'm just telling you where your pastor's coming from. But it's okay today. I'll let God do whatever He wants to do. And I'll just keep reminding you of who did it. It was God. I'm not capable. Amen. I can't do it. I can't carry that mantle even, right? But I can let God do anything because the mantle's never going to overpower Him. Amen? Why? It's His mantle. Amen? It's His mantle. So let's look in the New Testament real quick. Um, in the New Testament, uh, here's what I wrote in highlight here. In dealing with the woman at the well in Samaria recorded in John chapter 4, Jesus operated in the word of knowledge to convince the sinner of the need of a Savior. I've had people tell me that's not true. Jesus did it because He's the Son of God. No, Jesus set an example for us. That we can be used by the Holy Spirit. What did He say? In John chapter 4, we're going to bounce down through here. In John chapter 4, He said, There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Jump down to verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto Him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You know what, I, I, I think it's amazing that in the early church, right away, God began to deal in the early church with a lot of things. One of the things that he did was he raised the elevation of women in the church, in the world. He raised, I'll say this for Mother's Day, he raised, he elevated women in, in the church, even. Think about it, ladies, all right? Um, think about that next time you read Acts chapter 2. And then what else did God deal with? He dealt with prejudice. He dealt with racists. One of the first races you find after Acts chapter 2 that was dealt with was Peter himself. He was a racist. He was a Jew and he did not care for Gentiles. So he's up on the rooftop. He's praying. He's a man of God. He's talking to God, right? God drops down a sheet, right? With all of the things on it that in the Old Testament, the law said, don't touch, don't eat, don't, no, 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 right? And, and God told him, eat. He said, I'll, I'll not touch anything unclean. The sheet came down again. God said, eat. He said, I won't touch any. Three times he saw that sheet, right? And God told him, don't call anything that I've made unclean. And then, well, you know, that story's coming. All right, that story's coming. But verse 10 in John chapter 4, Jesus answered and said unto her, if you, know, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, thou would have, asked, would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Now listen, what he just told this woman was and what she perceived was, man, this guy gives me a drink of water. He says, I'm never going to have to walk out here with all these pots and gather up this water again. It was work to leave town and come out there to the well and fill the pots with water and carry them back to town. This guy's saying that he could give me water and I'll never thirst again. I want that. But she was misunderstanding him, right? So Jesus said in verse 13, 
He said, uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Have I made anything up? I haven't, have I? Jesus said to her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. And why did he do that? He, he knew, right? The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Do you know what amazes me about that passage of Scripture? It is amazing that once Jesus revealed this truth to her that he had no other way of knowing except by the Holy Ghost, right? Her IQ jumped exponentially. And the words came from her mouth, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Isn't it amazing how high our IQ jumps once Jesus touches us? You get a lot smarter once things start getting revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. Amen? All right. Jesus said, the water that I shall give shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. All right, so, um, well, I was excited about that. Isn't that good? The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. The woman saith unto him, I know, I know that Messiah is coming. She's talking to him. I know that Messiah is coming, right? Which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things, right? Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee, am he jesus asked this woman for water she asked jesus uh she asked jesus who uh who he was and he replied if thou knewest the gift of god and who it is that saith to thee give me a drink thou wouldst have asked him and he would have given you living water jesus said the water that i shall give shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life isn't that good news this samaritan woman wanted that water Give me this water so that I won't have to come here and draw, she said, thinking about the water in the well. Then Jesus told her to go get her husband. When she said she didn't have a husband, he said, in effect, you're right about that. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. Jesus knew that by an inward revelation, a word of knowledge, and used this gift to bring this woman to salvation. Now, what have I said to you over and over again? The gifts of the Spirit of God aren't to make you look good. The gifts of the Spirit of God aren't to make you look so high and mighty spiritual. They are assigned to the lost. Amen? They're assigned to the lost. Isn't that dynamic? All right, here we are. It's huge. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5. You, you never believe the look on the face of people at Atlantic Beach Assembly of God the first time I asked them. How many would love to have a great and mighty move of the Spirit of God like they had on the day of Pentecost and, and the day that the early church was birthed and everybody raised their hands? Everybody. Oh, yeah, I, I want a move of the Spirit of God like that. I want the Holy Spirit to come. I said, well, are you ready for the possibility that someone might die? I'm going to warn you again. Don't make up your mind today. Ooh, that scares me. I don't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost. Just don't lie to him. You can't get away with lying to the Holy Ghost anyway, no matter what. You ain't smart enough to out, you know, you can't outbox the Holy Ghost. Amen? 
The Holy Ghost knows everything. Just don't lie to him, right? But in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira's wife sold a possession and kept back part of the piece or price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So it had been all right. That's what I'm reading the scripture. If Ananias inspired, sold the property and given only half of the money to the church, but they lied about it. You know, everybody was giving everything and they looked at this deal and thought, you know, I think I want to hang on to some of this money, right? But I want to be looked upon as being spiritual like all these other people. So let's keep back some of it. And they conspired together to lie to the Holy Ghost and they got called on it. Peter said in Acts chapter 5 verse 3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? The entire transaction was revealed to Peter through a word of knowledge. How else would he have known? Ananias' wife's fire came in, same thing happened, and both of them fell dead that same day. Hmm. Now, this is from a pastor's journal. You remember me talking about the pastor's journal? He wrote, um, he said, a certain pastor from his own, uh, I wrote from his own historical journals, journals, had many experiences in his own ministry in which the Lord used him in the word of knowledge. A couple of weeks after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, the gift of word of knowledge began to operate through him. The first manifestation occurred when he was dismissing a service one night. He closed his eyes to offer the benediction. As he did, a quick vision appeared before him. He saw a person in his congregation who he knew by the Holy Spirit was a new convert. In the vision, he saw the people she had been with the night before and what she had done. Now, why did God reveal to this preacher the sinful act that she had uh, committed the night before? It's not the point. You're missing the point here. The Holy Spirit's not real big on going around telling everybody what your specific sins are. Alright? That's more the devil's work. you got to remember that. Alright? What have we learned at times when uh, someone's praying for someone to be set free from demon possession or oppression, the demon will start screaming about that person's sin. I've seen that. You ever seen that? Alright, listen. He saw a person in his congregation who he knew by the Holy Spirit was a new convert. In the vision, he saw the people she had been with the night before and what she had done. She was less than a month old in the Lord and had been forced by two other people to do something that was wrong. Uh, I love the discretion here. He knew by revelation, by a word of knowledge, that this woman felt that God didn't love her anymore because she had sinned. She had decided that once she left that service, she would never go to church again because she had failed. This was a spiritual vision that came to him in a second of time. He spoke to the congregation in such a way that no one else would know what had happened, but that this woman would know that God loved her and was dealing with her. And before he finished speaking, this woman ran to the altar crying. The pastor knew she was saved, but she, she hadn't been filled with the Spirit. By the time her knees hit the floor, she just knelt at the altar. You know, it's a, it's a powerful thing when God falls like... 
on somebody and there's a dynamic demonstrative infilling of the Holy Ghost. It ruins for all the people. It ruins it for all the people who get it quietly. But it, more often than not, receiving the Holy Ghost is quieter than one might think. How do you get, how do you receive anything you get from God? How do you receive salvation from God? By faith. How do you get anything else you get from God? By faith. How do you get filled with the Holy Ghost? How do you receive the Holy Ghost that way? By faith. Amen? Alright. The pastor knew she was saved, but she didn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. By the time her knees hit the floor, she received the Holy Ghost. She found out how much the Lord did love her. Amen? Another instance in which the Holy Spirit spoke to him by a word of knowledge concerning a new convert occurred in the last church he pastored. While he was uh, shaving one morning, the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to go pray for so-and-so. He has sinned. This new convert was a 43-year-old man, but he had just gotten saved two weeks before. He had lost his temper on the job, and the Holy Spirit showed him that he had sinned and that now he was home. It, have you ever met anybody that loved God so much that when they made a mistake, it made them physically ill? I've seen it before. He was home in bed. He had gotten sick. Here was a man in need, and the Spirit of God knew all about it. No doubt there were other people in that pastor's congregation who were in need, but God didn't send them, him to minister all of them specifically this way. He sent him to minister to this man, and he was restored. While this same pastor was ministering in the church uh, years ago, the Spirit of God moved upon him just as he finished his message. He suddenly found himself saying to quite a large fellow whom he had never seen before, you standing in the back next to the aisle, step out into the aisle. How many of you have ever seen anything like that? This man was quite tall and wore cowboy boots and uh, made him even taller. He was as far back in the church as he could get. Without question or hesitation, he stepped into the aisle. He heard, myself, he heard myself say to him, he heard me say to him, before you come to church, before you came to church tonight, you said to your wife, now how would he know what his wife said to him at, you know, before they came to church, right? Uh, he heard himself, the preacher heard himself say to him, before you came to church tonight, you said to your wife, and he began to tell him exactly what it was, you didn't want to go to church. And before he finished speaking, the man began to cry. He began to sob because he knew. He knew his mail was being read. You understand what I'm saying? He had not wanted to come to church. Before he finished speaking, he began to cry and sob. God revealed the secrets of his heart through the word of knowledge. This man ran down to the aisle and slid into the altar. I, I miss those days. The man had never been saved in his life. His wife was saved, but he fought her about salvation and the things of God. However, as the secrets of his heart were manifested, he repented and was born again. The Holy Spirit and his gifts are signs to the unbeliever. We just benefit from them. Amen? Look, look, as the Holy Spirit begins to do these things in your life, just let God be God. Don't mess it up. Amen? Give credit where credit is due. Look, look, this is in the Bible. It's real, and God wants to do it in our lives. 
But human flesh is the reason why every single solitary Christian in the world out there isn't walking in this stuff. And God told me to teach you that if you want to see the power of God manifest in your life and in the lives of those around you and to see the lost saved and discipled, get ready. Learn what the Bible says about the gifts. All right? And then just let the gifts be the gifts. Amen? And let them use you. Don't, you can't use them. The best way to never get used by the Holy Ghost is to try to use it for your own benefit, your own glory, to make other people think you're so high and mighty spiritual. The Holy Spirit will treat you like the plague. He will back up, He will get quiet, and He will not move on you. Why? Why will He do that to you? Because the Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit is not going to do something to you that's going to hurt you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Amen? Wow. Again, when he was pastoring at that last church, the last one he ever pastored, he and his wife took their 15-year-old niece into their home to help her. Uh, his sister's home had been broken by divorce and she had to go to work and to make a living. Her five children were left alone too much at the time. Now, as a result, this 15-year-old girl got into bad company. Uh, this preacher had to get permission from a judge to get custody of her because she had gotten involved with a gang and was on track to get in trouble with the law. His niece wasn't a Christian, and she was stubborn, and she was hard-headed. Some Christians are too. Can you say amen? For example, when they would pray and read the Bible every morning with their children before they went to school, she would just stand by the door and watch. He didn't try to force her to do anything. He just let her stand there if she wanted to. After a while, she would sit down when they prayed, and later she began. She even began to get on her knees and join them as they prayed. They laid down certain rules for her to follow. For example, she could date only on weekends, and she was always to tell them where she was going. He told her, I'm going to put confidence in you, but the minute you betray my confidence, those privileges are over. She was taking a home economics class in school, and once as an assignment, her class was to prepare a meal for the entire school board. On Tuesday evening, she said, we're supposed to meet at a friend's house tonight to discuss what uh, we're going to do and how we're going to decorate the hall. He knew in his spirit that part of what she was saying was true, and part of it wasn't true. He said, all right, but you must be home this evening by 10. Also, don't drive up in front of the parsonage with some boy and just sit there with him in the car. The living room is open. You can come inside and sit with him, but don't sit outside in the car. 10 o'clock came that night, and she wasn't home. He went to bed and was lying there meditating with his eyes closed when suddenly he had a vision. He saw his niece over at her girlfriend's house. He saw her dancing with other teenagers. In fact, she was teaching them some new dance moves. All right. Then at about 11 o'clock in the evening, his niece and, boy drove up, and a boy drove up in a car and stopped the car in front of the house. His niece got uh, sat out in the car until 11.30 that night before she finally came in. He didn't say anything to her that night. Neither did he mention it the next morning at the breakfast table. He didn't say a word about it until Friday when she said, I'm going out to run down to the drugstore with a young man to get something to drink. He said, no, you're not. You aren't going anywhere. You're grounded for 30 days. You're not to go anywhere except the school and church. She said, well, I'd like to know why. He said, I told you 
If you didn't betray my confidence, I would put more trust in you. However, you did betray my confidence. I told you to be home at 10 last Tuesday night and you didn't come home until 11.30. She said, well, we, you know, isn't it funny how someone finds themselves caught in quicksand they just keep digging deeper? Well, we were late getting our plans made, she said. He said, you sat out in front of the parsonage for 30 minutes. Besides that, you were over there teaching those young folks dance moves. She said, who told on me? How many of you know the Holy Ghost can tell on you? Amen. Who told on me, she asked. The Holy Ghost told on you. He said, I was lying in bed with my eyes closed when suddenly in a vision I was over at your girlfriend's house. I'll tell you exactly how the furniture was arranged. As I told her how it was arranged, her eyes got big and she began to stammer and stutter. He said, the Lord didn't lie about you, did he? It's not in the Lord to lie about you, amen? No, she said, he didn't lie. But they didn't know some of these new dance moves and I just thought I'd show them. You know, you just shut up. You, you know what I'm saying? It's important to know when to stop talking, Amen. He said, but you have betrayed my confidence, so for 30 days you won't go anywhere except to school and to church. Before the 30 days were ended, she was saved and baptized with the Holy Ghost, and she wasn't any more troublesome after that. We're going to stop right there. Amen? Let's stop right there. I'd like to ask the worship team to come up. We're going we're gonna to stop. How many of you know I've said this before? I hope I'm not boring you. Um, we're we're learning about the Holy Ghost, are we not? So, and 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 it, you know we can do this till Jesus comes back, and that'll be okay. Amen. We can take our time. You, everyone, have with them the emblem of the body and blood of the Lord. Well, I seem to have gotten everybody one but myself. They're over there, David, if you want to grab another one. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. While I'm talking to you, I'm going to get this one ready to go because I found out they are a child-proof container. And so, uh, and there's no child up here to help me open it. And you, you may say, well, you got that backwards. I don't care how child-proof something is. A kid can open it, even when I can't. Can you say amen? Friday night, we were at that church in, in Mississippi, Hernando, Mississippi to be exact. And I were, was with all those people and I was asked by Pastor Dwayne, would you teach on the, on the communion? He remembered way back in Nome, we would teach on communion. And... Uh, we gave them a, a quick rundown. You know facts about it because you've been with me now for long enough. Amen. But what did we know? We're the bride of Christ. Amen. Connie, what did we learn? Way back in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, we find out that Jesus proposed to his disciples that night. Why? Because Hebrew tradition tells us the father of a groom to be, the father of a bride to be, those four would get together for the proposal. And what did the proposal involve? Pour a little wine. 
the proposed groom, he, the young man, he would drink from it, hand it to his father. His father would hand it to the father of the girl, the young girl, and he would hand it to her. She could either drink it or she could turn around and hand it back to her father. You don't have to take communion today. Are you hearing me? You can say, no, I'm not going to do it. Or you can say, no, I don't want to get ready for it. Because it takes being honest with God. That's what it takes, right? right? She could sip it, hand it back, and, and what were they from then on out? She was his bride. Now, they did not physically consummate the marriage until after the ceremony. But in the eyes of all of the people in the community, they were husband and wife because he had accepted, she had accepted his proposal. And, and Connie, what have we had before? I, I think of you because you and I have discussed this in depth, how, how God, you know, reveals things to people like this. Isn't that exciting? But um, a lot of people will tell you that that wasn't a marriage proposal. Then why are we the bride of Christ today? How did we become the bride of Christ? Because He proposed to us in the most personal way that anyone has ever proposed to anybody. He gave His life for us. Amen? So, what do we know? Uh, it, it's a celebration. We know it's a testimony service because it says often as you do it. You know, you're, you're, you're doing it in remembrance of me until I return. So we're saying today, it's, we're testifying, we're believers. He's coming back for us. Amen? Yes. So we know it's a miracle service because miracles happen in every communion service. Miracles happen. We, I don't care if someone doesn't get an eyeball in their head or whatever, as much as I know that spiritual miracles happen and lives are changed in every communion service, whether you feel it or whether you don't. Amen? And then we know that there's the potential for physical manifestations of healings in people's bodies. How many of you realize today that when you know that, you know that there are so many ways for God to manifest a miracle in your life. You can't box God in. You can't stop Him. You can't slow Him down. So way over in 1 Corinthians, that's, all of that is covered in 1 Corinthians. Amen? In verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. And you read down through it, you find out that that word, that worthy word comes up and the devil lies to people. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You know what I answered that? You're not kidding. I'm not worthy. Yes. Yeah, you're not kidding. I, I'm in complete agreement with that. But I know how to get worthy. Oh, what are you going to do? Stop all your bads? No, I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to say, Father, by the power of your spirit, yes. help reveal in me. Yes. What you want to touch and what you want to change today, yes, and bingo. Lord. Yes, Lord. Bingo. I'm boom. It's done. Boom. The Holy Ghost is going to do that. And because you obeyed the word and looked to Father and you're willing to give Him that, you just got worthy. It's not about holiness all of a sudden magically being manifest in you. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Yes. Amen. Obey God. Talk to Him about that thing in your life. Yes. And say, Father, I give it to you. Even if you have to use the words once again. Yes. You, you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, yes, once again. Yes, Keep coming back. Amen. Until the miracles manifest in your life. It's a miracle service, right? Yes. Spiritually, always, sometimes physically. He said, because people 
eat and drink in an unworthy manner, not discerning the body of the Lord. Many of you are weak. Wow, that excites me because if I get it right, I can be made strong. Many are weak and sickly. So that word tells me that if I'm sick, I can be healed in a communion service, right? And it said, and some of you have even died. Now that's important because what that means is if they had died when it was their time to die instead of dying earlier, that never would have been need to be mentioned in the Word. It tells me that you better get this right. You need to get this right. And he said, look, I made it easy for you. Get it right. Discern the body of the Lord. Talk to me. Ask me what I want. Commit it to me. And I'll make you worthy. And you partake and let God do His work. Amen? You can be uh, made strong. You can be healed. You can even stave off untimely death. Now look, did I, did I make up the Word? I didn't write that Word. I'm just telling you that there are millions of Christians in this world have no idea of what potential there is for miracles in a communion service. God help me. If I've ever stood in the pulpit and, and misrepresented something or lied, God help me. God forgive me. I have no intention of lying to you about the Word of God. And I did not make this up and I did not write this. Amen? Now, look, you say, yeah, brother, but you're, you're interpreting it. Not really. I'm just reading the Word. Am I the one interpreting here? I'm just trying to tell you, when I told these people this, in Hernando, Mississippi, not a single person in the room could remember ever in their lifetime hearing that teaching. And that blows my mind away. I mean, it blows me away. It blows my mind. How could the pastors and spiritual leaders of this land not know the Word like this and be able to tell their people what dynamic blessings of God are at their disposal? God forgive us. God forgive us. Yes. Amen? So, with that in mind, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. First of all, we're going to pray a prayer of dedication to God. And then I'm going to read the Scripture and we're going to do what it says. It says, uh, they took the emblem of the body of the Lord and they prayed over it and, and then they partook. And it said, and then they treated the cup the same way, which means we're going to pray over the cup. And what do we pray for? This is an emblem. We pray that God causes it to be to us whatever. God wants it to be. I don't try to interpret all that. I just let the Holy Spirit do that. Then we do the same thing with the cup. And then we're going to worship the Lord with the song, I Surrender All. Yes. Look, I'm going to tell you something. In Mississippi, pandemic's over. We got to spend times around the altar wow. in Mississippi. Beautiful. We prayed for the lost. We prayed for people to get kidneys. We prayed for um, people with uh, messed up backs. I mean, you name it, we prayed for it. We prayed over it. And I got a note from Dwayne to say today, humbling, he said, those people in that meeting are telling everybody in church what God did on Friday night. Glory to God. That's all I'm going to say about it. I, I'm humbled. Hey, it wasn't me. The Holy Ghost showed up. Yes, Can you say yes, amen? amen? Father, in Jesus' name, 
This is what I call my prayer of dedication. Anybody in this room, Father, can make this prayer their prayer by reaching out to you. Lord, I will tell you that without you, I am less than nothing. I can't do anything outside of you that's going to affect eternity in a positive manner. But Lord, in Jesus' name, I love discerning the body and blood of the Lord. I love turning to you and saying, Father, would you help me today by the power of your Spirit? Shine that bright, hot, searing light on my life. And help me to focus on that which you want to take from me. That thing that you want to deliver me from. Uh, Lord, I also thank you that one of the side effects of that is sometimes, uh, Lord, you just you heal high blood pressure. And you, you heal livers and you fix backs and legs and, and uh, you, you uh, fix high blood sugar and high cholesterol and triglycerides. I know all those things, Father, because you're helping me with every single solitary one of them. I'm familiar, Father, and you know that. But I'm just happy that you love me and you're helping me with all of that stuff, Lord. But Father, spiritually, I have spiritual concerns about my life. Lord, if you don't help me, I won't be able to go any deeper than I am right now. And I speak on behalf of everybody in this room, Father, as we turn to you discerning the body and blood of the Lord. Show us what you want and then help us by the power of your Spirit to yield it to you. And then, Lord, may we just begin to rejoice that you're lifting it from our lives. You're taking it from our lives. You're setting us free in Jesus' mighty name. I want to thank you for what you did in Hernando, Mississippi on Friday night. And I'm thanking you for what you're doing right now, midday, in Anchorage, Alaska. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and shortcomings. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for making us worthy for the act of taking communion today. It says in Matthew chapter 23, or Matthew chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, this is an emblem I hold in my hand. It represents the, the body that was beaten for us. Stripes that came on the back of Christ. It says that He was beaten so bad that it was difficult to recognize that He was Jesus as they had formerly known Him. Father, this emblem I hold in my hand calls it to be to us everything that you would have to be by the power of your Spirit, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Shall we partake of the emblem of the body of the Lord together? In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat, this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Father, we thank You for the emblem of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Cause it to be to us everything that You would have it to be. Thank You for the honor of being in this place today with my brothers and sisters in this specific celebration. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Shall we partake of the emblem of the shed blood of Jesus together? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead, sister. Stand with.